Hello and welcome to uh, this edition of the face-to-face podcast uh, from Super League Triathlon, part of the Super League Triathlon podcast series where myself, Adam Leach from Super League Triathlon, gets to sit down with some of the brightest names around our sport and do some long-form interviewing, actually have chats, get to know these people a bit better. A really exciting one to bring you today. It's none other than Lionel Sanders, one of the most talked about figures in the sport's history, larger-than-life character. I sat down with Lionel before he raced Arena Games Triathlon Montreal. Obviously, that was a wild thing for him to take on, but I admired his bravery. And wow, I mean, he pulled a result out the bag in the end. The sit-down was great with Lionel. It was really nice to just be able to dig into his background and his past a bit. I tried in the interview not to retread the same topics and stories. I didn't want to go into all of his life story because that's been very well covered by a whole bunch of really excellent interviews. The idea was just to try and get to know him a little bit better, ask some slightly different things, understand him a bit more. And actually after the interview, quite interestingly, he said to me that he felt like I was trying to break him down psychologically, like it was some sort of interrogation, which wasn't exactly the vibe that I was going for. But I really hope that you like this interview. I hope it adds something to the pantheon of Lionel. He's always engaging. He's always interesting. So I really hope you enjoy listening. Please tune in again soon. Subscribe, like rate review because we'll be back with another episode in due course well lionel thanks so much for joining us uh, and of course for racing super league triathlon it's it's a really great pleasure to have you here and this is something so different for you but but you're a man who's never shied away from a challenge uh, or to take on something completely out of your comfort zone what is it about you that that drives you to take on these crazy challenges? Well, I'm running into all the young guys here and now I'm starting to have second thoughts. Like maybe I should find a flight home, but <laughs> I'm very, I'm getting nervous for sure. Um, this is definitely, I would say a young man's game for sure. Like high intensity is a young man's game. You know, you lose that with time for sure. So, um, I mean, I spent like literally almost two straight years focusing on Ironmans. I did, I think, six Ironmans in 12 months. So like now I would like to do the complete opposite and get as fast as I can and try and cancel all that out because I definitely watched myself deteriorate. And that's not to say that you can't do an Ironman. Like obviously the Norwegians are proving that you can do both concurrently, but the way I was doing it, uh, I was deteriorating. And so this is very important for me to do this type of an event. And it's kind of got my butt in gear for the first few months of the year. You know, I have goals at the middle distance to do well in the summertime. And this is going to be a great way to uh, get the training moving in the right direction towards those goals. So uh, maybe I could have picked an easier event, like a 10 minute, basically all out event is not. Maybe I could have done something a little longer anyway. But hey, this is this is where we're doing. So it'll be fun. I'm really interested in your psyche, though, Lionel, as a person. As an athlete, you, you never seem afraid. You're never afraid of anything. I think a lot of people, a lot of athletes would maybe feel doing anything like this, going short for arena games, being so good at long course triathlon, is just way out of their comfort zone and and that they would just embarrass themselves. That's just not the attitude you, you really ever had in your career. What is it about your mentality you think that makes you like that? I think everyone's different. So for me, like for instance, the past two months, basically, I've been training with a, a better a guy who's like literally lapping me every 200 yards in the pool, training with a guy who drops me every single uh, run interval. And so, you know, yeah, I think it's just how you're wired. I, you know, I, 
I don't want to leave these things feeling like I'm the top dog. Like there's some guys who I think need to train in an environment where they're the top guy and, and leave feeling like I'm the best in order to, I think, be on the start line and feel they're the best. Whereas um, I like the opposite. I like feeling like I'm not very good or knowing I'm not very good and constantly wanting to get more out of myself and seeing, wow, this guy is literally lapping me every 200 yards. Like I have to get better. And so, yeah, sometimes though you leave the, these sessions and you're like, damn, do I wish I didn't invite these guys out. I feel like a complete bag of shit right now. But that's, that's what you need. I mean, if you want to keep growing, I think you need to have your ass handed to you. And so, yeah, I've, I've definitely come to the right place to, to get that this time around. Um, but not everyone's wired that way. You know, I've had, I think I've had the privilege to have some fun experiences and come out the other side and learn the lessons. So like I went to the Island House Triathlon in 2016, which is kind of a similar event to this way out of my comfort zone. And uh, the first day was individual time trials of a sprint distance triathlon. And I was like literally two minutes in last place behind second last place out of the water. And I remember walking back to the car, looking at my, my, my wife and saying like, this is so embarrassing. Like, I don't want to be here. I'm not, I shouldn't even be a professional. And, but that was like great motivation for me. And uh, I ended up like going and breaking the Ironman record like literally three weeks later. And so I, I think it's just how you're wired and, and you start to learn yourself and the right type of experiences to grow. And this is an experience that will go both ways. If I do well, I'll be like, damn, good job, man. Keep training hard. And if I get last place, I'll be, I'll be damn, keep training hard, man. <laughs> it, sound, it sounds like the journey you've been on in your triathlon career, you, you really got to know yourself uh, very well. I mean, did you start feeling like that? I came into triathlon, I'd say, as a, like a growth uh, journey. And so I never had aspirations in the beginning to be a professional. I didn't even know there was such a thing. And so, um, yeah, it was the way I found myself in triathlon most definitely. And I've just continued on down that journey. It's great. Yeah. It's, it, it's the gift that keeps on giving. Literally, I've been doing it now for 13 years and I still, every single season learn like great overarching lessons and just things about myself and my personality and the world around me that I think will transcend this sport and things I'll draw upon for the rest of my life. So it's, it's wonderful. You've been very open, Lionel, about your past and how you found triathlon when you had addiction issues. I mean, how different a person are you now to, to then? And, and, and do you still feel you are the same person as then or, or have you changed? I mean, I think your core doesn't change too much. Like, what caused me to do drugs and abuse drugs and alcohol to that level is the same underlying thing that allows me to be all in on triathlon. And it's just learning your natural tendencies and how you can be one pointed at something. And so, um, yeah, that's really what I learned when I started to focus on triathlon. I basically, in the beginning, I changed like a negative addiction for a positive addiction. But of course, there can be problems with any form of addiction. And so over the, you know, the next 10 years, basically, I tried to figure out like, you know, how to not be addicted to it such that if I ever lose the capacity to do triathlon or to exercise, you know, I would, I would like to continue to live a, 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 like a sound life and have sound mental health. Um, I, you know, you can never answer that if you actually have achieved that because I'd like to exercise till the day I die. But I think I feel like I'm in a pretty good place anyway in that department. I don't feel like I'm like addicted to this anymore. 
Whenever you have a bad race, though, you definitely uh, start to question that a little bit, but uh, it's always a work in progress. So, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I've learned so much about myself from this sport, and I'm sure there's plenty more to learn, and I'm probably going to learn quite a bit about myself uh, tomorrow, tomorrow morning here. You spoke about how triathlon could be an addiction. That's something that resonates with a lot of people that compete in triathlon at any level. I think they maybe will see it in themselves or others around them. What sort of tactics and methods have you used to turn this into something more healthy? I don't think there's anything wrong with being addicted to something. I mean, I'm addicted to food. I'm addicted to water. I've never went a day without having either of them. Um, there's lots of things that we need. I think exercise we need, truly we need, I need exercise every single day to be uh, like functioning at my best capacity. And so really, I think you need to look at it not so much as like, I think a lot of people, or not a lot of people, but you can go down the wrong pathways when it's like, the outcome that is, is, is what you're looking for, the winning. And if your sense of self is all wrapped up in winning or in whatever, like those sorts of things. First and foremost, this is just good for me. Like I like exercising and I have the privilege to make money from exercising. And so I would do this for free completely. I would change, like I would do this exactly the same if I, if I, had, if I didn't have to work or something, I would do this exactly the same for free. Um, so, so it's a privilege that I get to do it and actually make a living. Um, that's really the, the gist of it though, I would say it's like, we need, I think we, every person needs to exercise and should exercise every single day. Even when I'm sick, I still exercise a little. I try and do a little something because I watch my brain function better. And so that's really what I, I've had to sort of tease apart. What's the good parts of this and what's the bad parts. And, um, only one guy gets to win. So, I mean, if we all, if all of our sense of, sense of worth of this whole endeavor is in winning, then I mean, that, that's just hor that's a horrible perspective. So uh, if you get to win, you have the privilege of winning, that's great. It's the icing on the cake. It's the daily grind, the daily exercise, and all the great lessons you learn in trying to win. That's really what we're doing it for. And so easier said than done, though. Yeah, I'm, I mean, definitely. And especially, I guess, the more you put into it, uh, the harder it is to have perspective. Uh. Yeah, I went up and down in those departments as well. Like last year, I have like all the resources. I have a great team. And I went to, like my goal has always been since day one for the most part, uh, once I became a professional, was to try and win the Ironman World Championship in Kona. And I thought I was knocking on the door. I finished second literally last year at the first World Championship in St. George. And I came off the bike and I was right with Christian and... So in my mind, it was like literally you just improve half a percent between now and then, and you'll be going toe to toe. And I devoted everything to it. I went to altitude camps. I spent a ton of money, blah, blah, blah. And I, once again, I would say it was literally my worst performance in Kona, like worse than the first time I went with no resources or nothing. And yeah, I mean, that's just a, a very humbling experience. It's a horrible experience. I do this YouTube stuff too. And so it's like, at least in 2015, you know, I'm walking down the Queen K and no one knows who I am, but now it's like, everyone knows who I am too. And it's like a horrible experience. So that can be difficult. But once again, I, I'm exercising for a living. I mean, cause yeah, it sucks and blah, blah, blah. But, um, does it suck that much? I'm walking down the Queen K in, in Kona, Hawaii, like, oh, cry me a river, you know? So it's like, it's always perspective. Um, so I when you have that bad perspective, I'm like, I ain't going back to Kona for a little while. Like I need a break from this. Um, and so, so yeah, I mean, it's just a constant, 
uh, just putting everything back into the right perspective and seeing when your, your, your mind is going in the wrong directions and say, no, 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 come on, guy. You got everything you needed 10 years ago when you discovered this sport and started to, to get your self-esteem back. Everything else now is icing on the cake and you may never win. It's all good. It's all good. You may never win the world title. That's all good. You got everything you needed already. Is that still the overarching goal for the rest of your career? Once again, you continue to evolve as a person and uh, it would be cool. See, now it, it, I had this conversation with my dad who said, do you even want to win Kona anymore? Don't get me wrong, I love to win it. But I think more than anything, I just wanted to kind of say like, look, I started dreaming about that down in the basement and then I went and I did it. But hey, I might never get to do it. And what am I, does that does that devalue me? Does that like devalue the growth I've experienced? Does that devalue my journey? No, it does not at all in any way. Um, I think it's just devoting yourself and giving everything you have. And so that's actually part of why I'm here, is because I saw myself completely deteriorate. Some of my best Ironmans are now one year removed, even though it was like my seventh Ironman. My best one was the first one. You know what I mean? I was just deteriorating through each one. Um, and so now I see that I need to get my top end speed back up. And if I spend a year doing that, then I think just a little bit of focus, uh, on, on distance and I'll be able to do my best Ironman again. And so this is, this is the beginning of that. This is getting my speed back, forcing me to get my speed back now. And so it's all part of the journey. So for you, it's, it's kind of making that, that peak of your career still to come, not something that's in the past. My peak is still to come. Yes. Most definitely. I believe that wholeheartedly. I mean, um, Jan is the best, in my opinion, Jan's the best to do it, the best all around, uh, the most consistent on the day when it was time to do the best, he, he was able to peak at the right time. And, uh, I believe he was 38 when he did, when he won the 70.3 world championship and ran what a lot of people would say is the best run off the bike. He went toe to toe with Brownlee and Gomez in South Africa. So he was 38 then and then came back the next year in uh, Kona and broke the course record completely unchallenged at 39. So uh, I'm 35. I turned 35 a couple of days ago. And so uh, it's not to say, oh, you got lots of time, buddy. But like, I think the best guy to ever do it did his best performances at 38 and 39. And so I, I think I can do the same. And that's what I intend to do. And this is the beginning of that. I mean, you've, you've done a lot of things, a lot of experimental things in your career i'm done with that stuff though i i i'd say i i'd say i've trialed just about everything there is to trial now i've 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 done like uh i've you know i've tested every training protocol i believe that one could test for the most part so training wise i know what happens how i respond to all forms of training super high intensity middling a bit of high intensity, a bit of middling, lots of easy, lots of volume, low volume. I've got like, I have an unbroken training log from 2010 with extreme detail. Actually 2009 it started. And now I have add, added uh, lactate data, the power pod data, obviously power meter data, heart rate data, very uh, diligent with that. And also the perception data. And so, yeah, I've, I, I, I don't think I needed to do that. But I did need to do it for me. It's just how I'm wired. I like to learn through experience. And the beauty is though, like I train with guys, I train with a lot of different people over the years. And like, I, I'm starting to be like, wow, you actually do have a lot of experience. Like you, you've seen all sides of this. I mean, I even led the world champs for a while. Like I never won, but I, I, I did lead Kona for 20 miles. So it was like, I, I have experience what it 
almost what it tastes like. Actually, I might say it's 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 a better experience because I tasted it and then it was taken away from me with three miles to go. So uh, yeah, I've got a ton of experience. I don't have a lot of experience in what we're going to do tomorrow, <laughs> which is uh, a 10 minute all out interval. Uh, so that'll be fun. That'll be something that's missing at this at this level. Do you regret any of the experiments that you made? Because you made experiments not just around training, but all kinds of things like nutrition and races, the kind of things that, that frankly, most athletes would, would never even dream of doing. Oh, lots of stupid stuff. Yeah, yeah. And looking back, stupid. It's just how I'm wired, though. Like, I, I, I'm one of those people. I, I love to learn and see. But now I'm... I, I, I'm old enough to know, and that's why like, I, another experience is knowing myself and how I've been wired. And I look out and I see guys who are wired the same and are just doing the same things and they don't, well, I'm different. I'm different. It's going to have a different effect for me. Like, that's me. That's how I was wired. And it's like, ah, oh, you're probably not that different. You know what I mean? We're all pretty, pretty similar in terms of like physiological systems and my, you know, uh, biological systems were all very similar. So now the psyche, there, there's where we differ for sure. Um, but anyways, it's, yeah, I wouldn't change anything really, no. Like even last year, I never been coached. I did my whole thing. I always could, like I had advisors, but I always just did it myself, right? I'd get people give me some insight and stuff, but I always wrote my own program. So then I had to go full steam into full coaching last year. It's like throw everything out the window, turn your brain off completely and just listen and do as you're told. Also not good. <laughs> like I did that. Now I've done that too. I've been a fully coached athlete. So what are you doing? What's, what is the future then? I mean, you sound like you're the details guy. You've got all these train, all the training logs. Yeah, I know everything I need to know now. Like I truly do. I would say that's how I feel. I feel that there's not really uh, much. I, I know that there's like physiology and stuff that I couldn't give you the explanations for, but you know, like the Norwegians, for instance, they do all this crazy testing and stuff, but like the proof is in the pudding for the most part. Like it's like you, at the end of the day, you have to go out, you have to execute a training protocol and you see the result. That's, that's all we are. It's all anyone is doing. Right. And if you've amassed enough data and logged detailed, you know, detailed data logs, then there's nothing anyone's going to be able to do for you. I've tested so many different training protocols that I know the responses to all these different training protocols. And yeah, I, this, that's where I'm at now. I, I, I believe that I have faith in myself now. I think the big one was if I would do poorly, for instance, in Kona, I would say, oh, I don't know anything. I don't know. I don't have the answers. I need someone else. It's like, no, you do have the answers, actually. It, now it is, if I don't win the races I want to win, it's not because of my knowledge base. It's because I'm not good enough. And that's a hard one. That's the new, that's where, that's where I'm going to find out. Am I good enough? Because now it's, I can't blame anyone. I have all the knowledge. I have all the experience. And if I don't win, it's because I'm not good enough. But I'm cool with that. You know what I mean? Whatever. If I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough. You can only get so much better. You know what I mean? Like that's just a fact. Like you're not going to get like in, in infinite growth. We have we have uh, limits with regards to uh, improvement. And so sometimes the realization is I'm just not good enough. But instead of having that realization, you go down these stupid rabbit holes of various, you know, interventions to try and, I think it's ego defense mechanisms to try and shelter your ego. such so that, well, I'm just, I don't have a lactate here. I just need to start doing lactate. Maybe I'll, then maybe I'll, 
That's the missing thing. It's probably not the missing. So it's effectively not being able to look in the mirror and just say, I don't quite have this. And I say this from experience. I think it's easier, and I've done this many times, it's easier to blame something else like, oh, I don't know nutrition. Oh, I, I, did, I executed it poorly. Oh, my training. See, I'm not training right. Oh, I need a coach. Instead of, actually, I did my absolute best. I had great nutrition. I trained really well. There's really no other reasons why I didn't win other than I'm not good enough. And that's like, that's, you know, that's the death of the athlete really, right? The day where you look in the mirror and you're like, I, I, I can't win the world. Like I don't have that capacity. I mean, that's probably the last day that you're a, <laughs> you're a, you're a high ranking athlete, right? And so it's scary. But I would say that's where, that's, that's the final stage for me. I still believe I have what it takes and I have the knowledge base now and I believe in my training methods. I believe I have a good, you know, good sense of how to do it. And so I'd say within three years, I'll know if I have it or not. And if I don't have it, it's all good. It's all good. It doesn't, it doesn't refute my knowledge base, you know? Yeah, but that takes perspective to be able to be 100%. Well, I've been doing it a while now. It's funny. Where's the time go? <laughs> uh, moving on, you mentioned Jan earlier. And I'm, I'm keen to talk to you about you and Jan because great sport is made from great rivalries. That's what fans of all sports love. That's what defines heroes in all sports, in all generations. Is Jan your great rival? I am not a rival of Jan. <laughs> Jan is a rival of mine, yes. I mean, no, Ron, Jan doesn't have any any rivals, really. Like, Gomez beat him in uh, Montrembault 70.3 Worlds in 2014, and I don't think anyone has beat him in a 70.3 since that time. And the Ironman, I don't think anyone's legitimately beat him in an Ironman. I think Jesse Thomas got him once, but he, like, spent, like, 15 minutes trying to get his helmet strap on or something. It's, like, all on video and stuff. But otherwise, I don't, I'm not sure the guy's been beaten since 2014, really. So he doesn't really have any rivals, which kind of sucks, I think, for him. Like, I think some of my greatest memories are real good toe-to-toe -to -toe battles with guys who are at the same level as you, and it's more of a mental battle because you're in the same sort of physiological state. Yeah, so it's a bit sad for Jan and that no one's been at his level for like eight years, basically. So now this is kind of the year where everyone's excited because Jan's not injured. And then you got the Norwegians who are in great form. And so, yeah, this is, this, this will be a fun year. I mean, Jan's 42. I ain't counting the guy out or anything, but it's, it's not, it's certainly two, you know, a uh, uh, 38 and 39 year old Jan is probably uh, in higher form than 42 year old Jan. That just seems like the uh, natural progression of biology, but hey, he'll probably prove that wrong too. So uh, from my standpoint, no one has motivated me more than Jan because I tasted it in 2015. I had I knew very little about the sport. I was naive, but part of that actually worked to my benefit because Oceanside 2015, I came out of the water with a four-minute deficit, and I bridged a gap in like I think like 30k, and then I went by these guys, Jan, Andy Potts, etc., pushing over 500 watts in the middle of a 70.3, like pretending like it, I wasn't even like breathing hard or anything because I was flexing on him so hard. But I was just a kid and I was like, so like I didn't, ah, who cares, right? And I blew up and I finished third, but I came off the bike with Jan and I went toe to toe for 5K with him. So I tasted it and I never, ever saw him again in a race <laughs> since 2015. And so every race I would get, get to a start line with him and be like, this is the one, I'm gonna taste it again. 
toe to toe. I can't wait. Shoulder to shoulder. And he beats me by five minutes. I never see him. He, he like the worst one too was Miami in 2021. Um, I like I was in pretty. I felt that I was in pretty good form, and he out swam and biked me too. So it was like extremely humbling. Uh, but yeah, he he's he's no one has motivated me more than Jan, and so. Yeah, it's cool. I'm excited to race from an ocean side. I believe that was his first 70.3, and he says it'll be his last 70.3, and so that's pretty cool. And I think it's admirable to lay it on the line like that from his standpoint to say, these are my races. I know you guys all want to race me this season one last time. These are the ones I'll be at. If you want to race me, here's where I'll be at, and however it unfolds, that's how I'm leaving. So I think that's very admirable to do that. I mean, it's, it's interesting you say he's motivated you. I mean... Does it motivate you to train harder, motivate you to feel feel like this, um, how you aspire to be? No, yeah, I like Jan. Like, I, I don't feel that I, I don't aspire to win, really. I, honestly, I don't, I don't know if I've ever really cared about the winning. Do I want to win? Um, I, I want to beat everyone. I couldn't care less. You know what I mean? Obviously, when you beat everyone, you win, right? It's the beating of them. Absolutely. It's fucking ego. Oh, yeah. Like, I I think you should be able to hold multiple views. Yeah, I like I like to... Oh, we're getting into psychology now, but, like, I believe that we still have, you know, we have very carnal instincts inside that. We're civilized people, um, but sport is in ultra-endurance stuff in particular is a great outlet for a lot of our carnal things that, it's hard for us. Well, I think we'll never get rid of, but we civilize ourselves. And so it's an outlet to express them. MMA maybe is like the most uh, in your face. It's like closest to the old carnal ways. This is way more civilized here, what we're doing in triathlon. But it's still the same underlying emotion and the underlying uh, impulses. And so, yeah, I mean, I've oh, absolutely, when that gun goes, I want to destroy these people. Absolutely. And I race really well off of those types of instincts. Like it's, it is like, it's, it's, it's life and death out here. So yeah, there's an ego component to that. Of course I survival. I want to destroy these people and, or they'll destroy me. Um, so yeah, there's a component of that for sure. It's fascinating though, because that's something that, that as you get more successful and you get some more money and there's less pressure in that sense. It almost doesn't change. That That's in you, right? It's a funny thing. As you have more money, you lose it for sure. Yeah, you unless you keep it in check, most definitely. Because when I had absolutely no money and we would drive 10 hours a day before a race and it was like, if you don't make any money, you literally are done. Like if you don't get on the podium, you are done. It's a lot different when if you don't get on the podium, you're fine. You know what I mean? Like it's much more true feeling of life and death situation. But um, once you start to you'd be able to make a living, you have sponsors, you don't even have to like, you're already getting paid before. You, you know, there's no podium. You don't even need to get the podium. It does come with a different quality for sure. And you need to keep that in check. And I definitely found myself deteriorate, get softer, I'd say, um, because of that. But you have to continually cultivate that. No, 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 no. This is life and death here. And that starts in practice. That don't start when the gun goes. That starts a long time cultivating that in practice. But to answer your question on Jan, um, handing me my ass and what does it do to me? He used to say, oh, I got to train harder. But here's the experience part. It's like, yeah, but I think I've actually, you know, communicated with Jan quite a bit. And 
uh, I realize that I, I don't think it's training harder. It's training like there's a, there's a particular way to train to become efficient at a particular event, right? Jan told me one time, he's like, you and I couldn't train any more opposite. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense to me. You should be training even more higher intensity than me. But then over time, I started to realize what that meant. It's like, of course, you need a bit of high intensity. Do good at the middle distance and the long distance. You definitely need to make sure the ceiling is high. But you don't need to do nothing but keep the ceiling high, right? You need to become very efficient in the middling intense, middle of the intensity distribution. And I believe that's what Jan has done. He's become insanely efficient at like the top of the, uh, if you know, in the three zone model, the top of zone one or like zone two in the seven zone model. He's been like crazy efficient. And so back in the day, I would say Jan motivated me because I would go back and I would train harder. But I don't know if that's the right answer. Everyone's training hard, but there's many ways to train hard. You have to train hard and smart. And I would say that's kind of probably also what the Norwegian contribution has been and something that I missed over the years, for sure. What do you see as the future of the sport, Lionel? Because there seems to be a lot of young talent. There's more people who are perhaps uh, lifetime athletes now becoming professionals. Are we going to see the likes of yourself coming around again? Um, people can come in, people can come in later in their lives uh, and still succeed. Or do you think you are kind of at the end of that generation? Is this new generation that are growing up in triathlon uh, and therefore have all these skill and training benefits? Are, are they going to drive that out of the sport? Well, anyone who can swim can get into triathlon. <laughs> if you can swim, I mean, the, the Ironman side of things is basically semi-draft legal. So you can, because the, the draft zone hasn't been changed since like uh, the beginning of our sport for the most part. And the speeds have gone up, 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 yet the, the rules have remained the same. So if you can swim, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Now, is the door shutting on the guys like me who don't swim front pack? Mm, I would say we're getting there. I'd say we're getting there because of media vehicles, the combination of our sport growing and various entities coming in and, and you know helping the sport really, which is great for the sport. But that may be shutting the door on guys like me. Like when I look, if I tr was trying to come up now, it would be a lot harder for sure because there's, there's really nowhere to cut your teeth. Like small races... Uh, there's still media, like the Iron Man's putting media vehicles and stuff out in a, uh, a Galveston or whatever, an Oceanside or whatever. There's going to be media vehicles there. And they greatly affect the race, like in the pack dynamics and everything. It just greatly affects the race for better or worse. That's, that's our sport. And so, um, yeah, it's a, tough, it's a tough game. I can't answer that for certain. I can tell you that if you want to come up as a weaker swimmer like I did, if you think 400 watts is a lot of wattage, well, you're going to have to change that because that's what it's going to be required to bridge the gap now. You're going to have to really swim well and continue to improve your swimming and then push 400 plus watts until you bridge to the front. There is no other way. Like there's none of this like ride steady, ride your own power. Those days, that doesn't exist anymore. No, not, not, for, not for guys like me. You've obviously made a very conscious decision to put yourself out there um, to, to become a I guess a personality as well as an athlete. You document your athletic journey on your YouTube channel, uh, on your social channels, and and you really seem to have like grown into that space. Is that something that was always a conscious decision? And I'm really curious to know: is it something that's always 
affected you in a positive way? I wouldn't say it was a conscious decision. I started doing my written blog, that's how it began, which I quite liked. I, I like writing. And that got decent traction for a, a written blog. But the comments sometimes were so horrible that I had to shut comments off. It was just like, some of those, oh, it's just hard to even think about. Some of the stupidity and some of the things people would say to someone they don't even know. Um, so that's like how I got into it. And that's kind of how I started to build, because uh, I would say controversial things like, you know, my thoughts on training. <laughs> Um, and people disagreed with them. And I was just a kid writing about who knows nothing, you know, writing about what I think at the time is correct, which now you look back, I'll look back at some of those and shake my head like, wow, so can't believe I wrote this and put this out in the world and people read it. Uh, so that's kind of how it began. And then I met Talbot over here and I was already starting to do YouTube stuff. What did I do the YouTube for? I, I mean, I enjoy... I enjoy like painting a picture. I enjoy articulating. It keeps me when I don't try and articulate and stuff, um, I feel dull. And when I do try and articulate and, you know, express what I'm thinking with regards to training and racing, et cetera, uh, I feel sharp. And the biggest where I learned that was uh, 70.3 Worlds 2014, the night before I was like crazy, like very nervous. Um, and I just sat down, I wrote a blog and I remember it was just like so liberating to get my thoughts and express what I'm feeling at this moment. And so that's kind of how that, that's, that has always been what I've enjoyed most about it. Uh, and so I would say that's what I continue to do. I think Talbot and I both enjoy motivating people and we enjoy, like we, we do write, we do consciously think about like, what are we doing now? Like what? We have a platform now and what are we trying to do with it? Because there's so many possibilities. Um, if you want to be a YouTuber, do stupid shit. Like that's like, that gets a lot of views, right? Like if you want to get views, like I'm totally conscious of that, that the many, many YouTubers get followings from doing dumb stuff. I don't really want to go down that pathway at all. So what I like to do with it, what we like to do with it is motivate you to get out there and train hard and, and, and give you the perspective of someone who's doing that and trying to become the best at something and the trials and tribulations and the ups and downs of that. And you don't have to be trying to become the best at triathlon, but most definitely you're trying to become the best person you can be. And so I think, uh, you know, you can learn from someone who's being open about that. So I would say that's like my main motivation now and articulating, particularly articulation of it, um, I think is the most gratifying part for me is to semi-articulate that. And so I will watch them back and listen to what I say and say, did I articulate what I'm feeling very well? And sometimes yes, sometimes no. And someone's like, what the fuck guy us? You need to stop talking. So... Uh, yeah, I would say that's where we're at now with that. Always the details guy, even on the YouTube videos. Yeah, I like that stuff. Like if I wanted to be famous or something, I would just start doing stupid shit. We've already had this conversation. Like if we wanted to grow YouTube, we would need to start doing like, what would we need to start doing? I'll fill my backyard with pennies. No hate on Mr. Beast, but. What do you see for the future of the sport? Because you've seen a lot of changes in the sport, uh, especially in the last five years perhaps, the Super League, PTO, there's a lot going on in this sport now. Uh, where do you see the future of it? Is it is it getting shorter? 
Is that what this is all about? You have to be able to hold multiple perspectives at once, right? Like it's an important part of being a well-adapted human being. And so, um, you know, there's this component, you've got like Iron Man, and that's like where I came up. I came up as an age group triathlete, and, and then I watched a pro lap me at Iron Man Louisville, and that's what, I was like, wow, that's an amazing performance, and that's kind of what inspired me. So there's always going to be that side of our sport, which is it's, it's, a, it's an extreme sport. A lot of people do it just to try and finish an Ironman. That's extremely important or, or whatever, a 70.3, whatever. We can never forget about that part of our sport. Of course, that's, that's, that's how we all begin is trying to accomplish something that we don't know if it's possible to accomplish. So there's that. And then there is like the new wave. It's entertainment also. Are we trying to make a bona fide professional sport like MMA, for instance? It's like you go, you listen to the press conferences and stuff. And, you know, some of them you're like, I'm not that interested in this fight. There's no personalities. There's no rivalry. There's no nothing. And so I've always thought, I mean, if you don't say something, then there's no interest. Like, so you've, you've got to say something. Otherwise, no one cares, right? So, so, so there's our... There's our amateur aspect of it's just good for you and you should devote yourself. And then there's our entertainment side. And that's where we're headed now is, is there a bona fide sport here? Is there an entertainment value in this sport that will grow to a larger audience and grow our entire sport and, you know, still have that other component there? And I think so. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of investors and things coming into our sport with Super League and the PTO, et cetera, who believe there's an entertainment aspect. And I think a lot, some of the young guys now are seeing that, to grow the sport, you've got to say something. <laughs> you've got to have a personality. Even if it's not, like, you don't have to, like, you just amplify your personality. You know what I mean? You don't have to be an asshole. But if you're a little bit of an asshole, you can amplify it a little bit and be the polarizing guy, you know? There's dudes who are doing that now, and they're starting to see that, and it's fun. I don't think behind the scenes, as a bunch of pros, we should take it personally or nothing. It's part of the game. It's part of, if we want to grow the sport, we make it entertaining. No problem. Um, and so, yeah, I, 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 there is that. And I think if, if we continue to do that and if guys continue to express themselves and continue to, uh, have fun and be good personalities, I think most definitely we have a very interesting sport and we, we can grow this. And I think the general population would find it interesting. If cycling is on the TV for 21 straight days and six hour stages, there's without doubt, we can also be a bona fide professional sport. So, um, but it's certainly going to take, uh, you know, a lot of work over the next few years. What have you made of the last five years that Super League's been around? I mean, you guys are doing a great job. I mean, unfortunately I'm jealous because I can't swim or really handle a bike. So I, I would, I would, I would be doing this stuff. I, I would be pursuing Olympics if I could swim. So, you know, it's unfortunate. It's very entertaining. I mean, this indoor stuff is really cool as well. Like to, you know, I still think uh, you guys should do uh, the long course edition, the shit swimmer long course edition, where we have like Joe Skipper, Cam Worf, myself, Andrew Starkowitz, a few others, and we do it like darts, you know, those darts tournaments and you get everyone shit faced in here and fill this thing up, give them beer things. They can throw it at us and stuff. And we just like have walkouts and stuff. Maybe we'll fight after. I don't know. But uh, like, you know, I think you guys are, are, are at least opening the door to these like fun, like triathlon's a fun sport, of course. But I think you've got a lot of great personalities in our sport. And, you know, I think people would tune into this stuff and they would enjoy it. And it would maybe even inspire them to exercise a little bit more and stuff. 
And so, um, yeah, I, I, you guys are doing a great job. And I, uh, after doing that, I did this test session on Tuesday, short. It's exactly this event, basically, I did. And I'm excited. I'm going to do some more of this for sure. I don't know if I'll do as short of stuff, but I will do, you know, quicker transition type stuff where all of these basic elements of triathlon are important. I will incorporate this more into my training after this experience. Well, Lionel, c- come and join us in the championship series one day if you want. It'd be great to have you. I, I'm going to try not to get last place, first and foremost. Lionel, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and speak with us. It's been really fascinating getting to know you a little bit better. We wish you all the very best for whatever lies ahead.